Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. And they forsook the Lord, they forsook Jehovah, and they served Baal and the Ashtoreths. The Ashtoreths uh, were really these, um, it was literally called a, a star, is really what Ashtoreth is. It's a false goddess, goddesses in the, the area of Canaanite, in the, in, the Can, in the Canaanite area, in the Canaanite religion. And it was basically a fertility, a god of fertility, a goddess of fertility. And, and we can see... In verse uh, 13 here, that they forsook Jehovah and they served Baal and the Ashtoreths. And this is actually why they were led captive. Welcome, everyone, to our Bible study on Truth in Christ Radio. As followers of Jesus Christ, we must always place God before anything else in our lives. As we learn today, God made it clear that Israel's pursuit of other gods was nothing less than forsaking the Lord God of their fathers. Yet in all likelihood, Israel did not see their idolatry as forsaking God. They probably just thought they were adding a few gods alongside of the God of their fathers. This may be how it is reflected in our lives also. Nevertheless, the Lord God of Israel is a jealous God who demands exclusive worship. Now let's join Pastor Rob for today's message. Another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord nor the work one of the things I, I like about this verse, too, is the exhortation it is for discipleship because that's one of the things that's really, um, and it happens from time to time, but it's something that we need to be thinking about always and how to disciple younger people under us. And, you know, grandparents and mothers and fathers certainly uh, disciple your kids, disciple your grandkids. Don't ever give up on them. And, and, and for those of you who are younger, minister and disciple the younger underneath you. You know, that, that's the way it needs to be. And we need to continue to disciple and to exhort so that we can be that, um, we can uphold and exemplify the truth of the Word of God. We can be those examples. We can be those ambassadors. We can be those uh, disciplers. And that people, and, and that um, there would just be a great change. Because if it doesn't happen, then this is what happens. Verse 10 is what happens in any society when the men, especially the men and the women, when we stop discipling our kids. We can teach them how to throw a baseball. We can teach them how to throw a football. We can teach them how to bowl. We can teach them many things. But are you teaching them and getting in the Word with them um, often, as often as you can? Make it a habit. First get in the Word yourself, and then, and then get into the Word with your kids, even if it's only 15 or 20 minutes a day. Uh, do that. And that's something that I need to do more often, too. And so it's something that's important for us. So let's go on. To verse 11. It says, Then the children of Israel, here's another 
hurtful verse. (laughs) Then, because there had been a generation uh, that had died, and and then the generation afterwards didn't uh, hear about the word and didn't know the works of the Lord, this is the, the result of that. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they served the Baals. There were many different deities in in that uh, part of the country. Uh, Baal was the the central god, and uh, but they had different um, smaller gods that they worshipped. And see, the devil doesn't care um, how many different gods one worships, as long as he can get you not to worship the one true God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the three in one, one God. He 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 doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to him what you serve. Just serve anything but Jesus Christ. And and that's why God is jealous for his people. He's jealous for his people because he knows what's best for us. And no other God is jealous for you. No other God. That's why, you know, the the God of Islam and the the God of the Hindus and uh, the God of the Jehovah's Witnesses, he's not jealous over you. But there's one who's jealous over you because he knows what's best for you. He created you and he has a great plan for your life. But the other gods who are really not, not nothing more than demonic spirits, they don't care. They don't have problems with each other because all they want to do is keep you away from the one thing. Because they know, they believe God. They know who he is. They, they're not submitted to him, but they know who he is. Better than most of us. They know that he's real. There's no doubt in their mind. That's why when Jesus was casting out those demons, what did those demons say? You know, they, they begged him, uh, you know, to not let them go and, and, and to not send them into the abyss. Isn't that what he said to the demoniac over on the other side of the Sea of Galilee? The demon inside of him, inside of the man and, and the tombs, don't cast us out into outer darkness. You know, don't judge us before the time. And Jesus had authority. He had authority over him. So, verse 12, And they forsook the Lord, the God of the fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. And they followed other gods from among the gods of the people who were all around them. And they bowed down to them, notice, and they provoked the Lord to anger. And they forsook the Lord. They forsook Jehovah, and they served Baal and the Ashtoreths. The Ashtoreths uh, were really these... Um, it was literally called a, a star, is really what Ashtoreth is. It's a false goddess goddesses in the the area of Canaanite in the, in the Can, in the Canaanite area in the Canaanite religion and it was basically a fertility a god of fertility a goddess of fertility and and we can see in verse uh, 13 here that they forsook Jehovah and they served Baal and the Ashtoreths and this is actually why they were led captive in 722, the northern ten tribes, and then in 606, you know, the Babylonians came for the for the Judeans or for the um, the, um, the those in Jerusalem. But let's go on to verse 14. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and that word "hot" literally means what it means. He was very, uh, very angry against Israel, and so he delivered them. Notice into the hands of plunderers who despoiled them, and he sold them into the hands of all their enemies all around, so that they could no longer stand. Before their enemies. And wherever they went out, verse 15, the hand of the Lord was against them for calamity, as the Lord had said. Now, the Lord did say this. And where did he say it? Specifically, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 28 is at least one place where he spoke this. We don't have time to go there, but I would encourage you tonight or tomorrow 
to review your notes and maybe write Deuteronomy chapter 28. It's a chapter about blessings and cursings, and God was basically speaking uh, to them concerning these things because he did tell them, and, and, and the Lord had sworn to them, and they were greatly distressed. And so verse 16, uh, when we look at verse 16 down through verse 19, this is the cycle that was continuing to happen over and over again. In fact, in the book of Judges, we're going to see this happening seven different times, this pattern. And just mark it off with a little hash mark, verse 16 down through verse 19, because this is what began to perpetuate over and over and over again. That's why it's like a roller coaster. You know, this is what happened. Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges who delivered them out of the hand of those who plundered them. Yet they would not listen to their judges, but they played the harlot with other gods. They had spiritual adultery, and instead of, and they were also involved in physical adultery too. Notice that they bowed down to them, and they turned quickly from the way in which their fathers walked in obeying the commandments of the Lord. They did not do so. Notice, they didn't do it. And when the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge. And he delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who oppressed them and harassed them. And notice, and it came to pass that when the judge was dead, that the children began to play again. <laughs> That's the, uh, uh, it goes on, it says, that they reverted and they behaved more corruptly than their fathers by following other gods to serve them and bow down to them. They did not cease from their own doings nor from their stubborn Way. And so verses 16 through 19 is the perpetual thing that we see and we're going to see over and over again. And that can be really discouraging and that's why it's so important that we don't get into that place. And that's why I, uh, I prefaced uh, tonight's message with this idea of what we're going through as a country. You know, to, to take this challenge that we have before us. It kind of has, has hurt many people and got us, got us kind of scared maybe a little bit and we're certainly considering things. Let it do that. Let it do that work if it's going to bring a godly repentance, if it's going to bring forth godly sorrow out of something that maybe we've been playing games with. Um, it's, it's, a good, it's always a good time to turn from those things. But especially in a time like this, it's a good uh, opportunity for us to say, you know what, Lord, I've been playing games with you for 20 years. Lord, I've been playing games with you in my marriage. Uh, I haven't been treating my wife the way I, I, I'm supposed to. Lord, I've been stealing from the workplace uh, for a long time and nobody's seen it. It's such a small amount that not even my boss is aware of it. And yet you know that I'm doing it and I know that I'm doing it. Lord, forgive me. Lord, I've got this problem of anger. I've got this problem of alcohol. I've got this problem of pornography. I've got this problem of unforgiveness. Whatever it is, now is a good time to take stock in it, that we don't become like this. That's why the Bible says that the Word of God is there for our nurture and for our admonition. It's there to teach us something, and it would behoove us to learn from it so that we don't continue to perpetuate these things that we have read tonight and that we're going to continue to read. Let's go on to verse 20. It says, Then the anger of the Lord, we're almost done here, the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. In fact, this uh, this phrase, was hot against Israel, uh, actually occurs, uh, let me see, it happens four different times in the book of Judges, uh, this phrase, that God, his anger was hot against Israel. And he said, Because this nation has transgressed my covenant, which I commanded their fathers, and has not heeded my voice, I will also, and here's the, 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 the unfortunate thing, because they've not done what they're supposed to do, I will also 
This is one of those conditional statements that we talk about in the Bible, these if-then statements. If they do this, then God will do this. And this is another one of those things. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. Because this nation has transgressed my covenant, which I commanded their fathers, and they have not heeded my voice, I also will no longer drive out before them any of the nations which Joshua left when he died, so that through them I may test Israel, whether they will keep my ways of the Lord to walk in them as their fathers kept them or not. Now, this is an interesting thing. When the Lord tests us, he doesn't... He doesn't tempt us, but God can test us. And the reason why God tests us is because He wants us to see where we're really at with Him. He already knows the answer. When God tests, even though the language in the Bible makes it sound like, and God tested them to see whether they would do a certain thing, well, guess what? You can read Psalm 139. God is omniscient. He already knows the end from the beginning. So He already knows the answers. But we don't know the answer. And I don't know my own heart. And God has to allow me to go through a test. It's that one phrase that, we, that, that I've used before. A faith that cannot be tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. And so when he puts me through the test, when he allows tests in my life, it's never to destroy me, but it's always to help me to understand where I really am. And it's a good question. Where am I? Maybe you can ask yourself that question tonight. Lord, really, where am I with you? You know, when this thing, when this coronavirus hit, I was running for the hills. You know, maybe you were, you were panicked and freaking out. And, and maybe you were running to the store and buying, you know, stuffing your car full of toilet paper. You know, maybe you were one of those people. You know, maybe you're one of those people just buying up everything you can. Buy, you know, just taking the, all the canned goods and just pushing them into your, into your cart and, and, and going up to the scanner and scanning for 12 days. You know, were you one of those people? We don't need to fear like that, you know. And times like this bring out really where we're at, doesn't it? And we don't need to be uh, condemned because of what we have done. I, you know, we bought a little extra toilet paper. I'll be honest with you, but uh, you know, uh, we didn't buy hordes of it. But the thing is, is we find out really where we're at in calamities and distresses and turmoils like this. But God is testing them again. He knows the answer, but they don't know the answer. They need to know what is happening. And so God allows these things to prove us. That's a great word. He uses it to, pr- to prove us. He already knows the answer. He knows what we're going to do. He knows what's within us. And He already has made a provision for when we fail. And I love that about the Lord too. So God proves or tests us and even chastens us in, 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 in an instructive way to correct us. But He never, ever tempts us. Isn't that what it says in James uh, about a year and a half, almost two years ago, we, we, we were in the book of James. What does it say in verse 13 of chapter 1? Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. And then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, it brings forth death. So God never tempts us. The devil he allows. He allows the devil to tempt us only when it's going to bring a good fruit in our life. But God tests us. He proves us. Because he already knows. But we need to know. I need to know really what I'm made of. I really need to, I need to, I need to understand where I'm at. Am I really walking with the Lord? You know, I can boast a big game. I can say, oh, I'm, you know, I got, I got this much faith. But that guy over there, he's, he doesn't even have any. But I got this much faith. And God is going, hmm. 
I know how much faith you've got, Rob, and it's not very much. In fact, I'm going to allow something in your life to prove to you. I already know where your faith is, but I'm going to allow something to happen to show you how small your faith really is. And does God do that to break me? No. Well, to break me of my sin, certainly, but he doesn't do it to hurt me and to harm me in a, in a, in a, in a, in a nasty way. But he chastens me because he chastens those whom he loves. If we are not chastened by the Lord, then we are illegitimate children. But we are the children of God, and so he does it for our instruction, for our good. And I love that about the Lord. Therefore, the Lord, verse 23, left those nations without driving them out immediately, nor did he deliver them into the hand of Joshua. Now, let's go over the verse, uh, just verses uh, 1 through 6 really quickly, and then we'll be done, because when we get into verse 7, that's really when uh, the book of Judges really begins, uh, in a sense. So, notice in verse 1 of chapter 3, it says, uh, the nations remaining in the land. So now, these are the nations which the Lord left, and he, that he might, again, test Israel by them. That is, all who had not known any of the wars in Canaan. And this was only so that the generations of the children of Israel might be taught to know war, at least those who had not formerly known it. Namely, five lords of the Philistines, all the Canaanites, the Sidonians, and the Hivites who dwelt in Mount Lebanon, and from Mount Baal Hermon to the entrance of Hamath. And they were left that he might again test them. God is using these things to test them. So now because of their disobedience, God's going to allow them to be tested, to be proven, to see whether they're going to follow him or not. And that's a dangerous thing, isn't it? Would to God that they weren't ever in that position, but now there they are. They're they're, they're in that place, and God is going to use their enemies to prove them to prove them. And so they and there they were left that he might test Israel by them verse 4 to know Now, again, this is one of those funny passages. It sounds like God doesn't know really what's happening here, but he really does. It's so that they might know, and that it'll be shown, and it'll be written, in a sense, in the annals, in the the books. Because once it happens, then God can say, I gave you every opportunity, and this is what you did. God knew what was going to happen. So they were left, that he might test them, Test Israel by them to know whether they would obey the commandments of the Lord, which he had commanded their fathers by the hand of Moses. Thus the children of Israel, verse 5, dwelt among the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. They weren't supposed to be living among them. They were supposed to destroy them, but now there they are because of their disobedience, because of their lack of, uh, of trust in the Lord and the trust of the Lord in them to, to accomplish that work. Notice what happened, verse 6, And they took their daughters to be their wives, and unfortunately they gave their daughters to their sons. And notice, the worst sentence of all, and they served their gods. They served the gods of those nations. And so we're going to stop there tonight, but what an awful commentary of, uh, of a people. You know, that God was directing. And, and before we get too hard on the Jews, the fact of the matter is, is that if we were in that place, we would do the same thing. So we can't look at the Jewish people and say, you know, they're, they're just inherently bad. And there are people like Hitler and Mussolini and others who have tried to make the Jews to be the, the, the bane of everyone's existence. So they're no different than we are. They, they have the same heart as we do. They have the same issues that we do. They have the same everything. God fashions their hearts alike, and we are all the same in that regard. And so let's, um, you know, let's take these things that we read tonight and take them to heart and really draw near to the Lord and, and really ask the Lord and be prayerful. Say, Lord, I, I don't want to be the way I, I was. 
you know, before this coronavirus started coming to pass, Lord, I don't, when this is all over with, I want to be different on the other side of this. Make the commitment in your heart. Don't make a vow or anything like that. Just be simple. Just make, make it be godly sorrow over anything, if there's anything in your heart. And if, if you're listening tonight and you haven't given your heart to Jesus, I would encourage you to do that. You know how simple it is to receive Christ? It's, it's, just, it's as simple as just crying out to Him and saying, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've sinned. And I know that you paid the price, Jesus. You're, you were a God in the flesh and you hung on the cross. Your holy blood was shed instead of my blood because the, sin that so, the soul that sins shall surely die, the Bible says. And instead of me dying, which I deserve, you, Jesus, God in the flesh, you paid the price for me. And I believe in what you did. And that if I believe and put my heart and my trust in you, I know that I'll be in heaven. I know that I'll not only be in heaven, but I'll also have even joy even on this side of life, before I physically die, I'm going to have a wonderful, blessed life. And I can tell you, if you're here tonight and you're listening and you haven't made that commitment, make that commitment tonight before you go to bed. Don't put your head on the pillow yet. Ask the Lord, say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, cleanse me. And I want you, Jesus. I want you to fill me with your Spirit. I want to replace this old dead spirit of mine, and I want you to replace it with your Holy Spirit. Take up residence in my heart and change me forever. I am yours completely. And then read the Word of God and let Him love on you. Let Him give you the deliverance that you've always desired. You don't need to take pills. You don't need to drink. You don't need to search for another lover. Believe me, all of the things of our flesh can be satisfied in being right with God, having that right relationship with Him, to be clean in His sight, and to know that He has cleansed you from all of your sin, all the sin of your past, and even all the sin that you have yet to commit. He will change your life. And so do that tonight. Give your heart to Jesus Christ. And for those of you Christians who are here, let this be a a, a wonderful wake-up call for us, that as we as we read these passages, let it be something that you're saying, Lord, tonight, I don't want to be the same tomorrow. I want to do business with you tonight, Lord. I want to ask you to forgive me and cleanse me, so please heal me and restore me and renew me and use me again, Lord. I love that song that we sing, Spirit of the Living God, fall afresh on me. Spirit of the Living God, um, fall afresh on me. And then the chorus says, Melt me, and then mold me, and then fill me, and then use me. Notice the progression. First, I have to be melted. Melt me, and then mold me. Shape me into something that you've created, you've designed for my life, because you know what my life should be like. And then fill me with your spirit. Fill me completely, overflowing. And then finally, as a result of being filled, now use me for your glory. And what a wonderful thing that is, isn't it? And I can tell you it's the greatest thing you'll ever do. The greatest thing you will ever do is to give your heart even to Jesus Christ. And for those of us who know him, to give him even more. The more we give him, the better we're going to be. We're going to be blessed. And so let's uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time and pray that, Lord, you'd bless my brothers and my sisters, Lord. And Father, for those maybe who gave their heart to you and rededicated their life to you tonight, Lord, we pray that you'd welcome them into the kingdom. And that, Lord, you would do that great work that you did in my life and in all of our lives, most of our lives, hopefully all of our lives. Renew us and, and continue to cleanse us, Lord, and help us to be those ambassadors for you, Lord. Help us to be joyful, Lord. Lift our heads, Lord, and help us to be looking up, knowing that our redemption draws near. 
Lord, because you are coming for us very soon. We don't know the day or the hour, but we long for it. And so, Lord, have your way with us tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Judges. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.